And so our judgment ends. Thank goodness. Oh, I'm done. I think the you've been hobbling along. Comic heavens. (laughs) I think the progenitor in charge. No, bleh, bleh. (laughs) Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia, and I'm Judgy Justin. Ooh, Judgy Justin is back. Judgy Justin is back for the last time. Uh, Well, uh, maybe he'll come back for Judgment Day Omega. How is there even another issue that needs to be had? Because events get Omegas, whether they need them or not. This didn't even need the whole second half of this issue. I don't know about that. Uh, We'll talk about it when we talk about it. But anyway, hey, hey, y'all. What's up? Wow. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are talking about... X-Men Unlimited number 58. Yeah. Oh, yeah. X-Men Legends number three. Wolverine number 26. New Mutants number 31. New creative team. Judgment Day number six. And Exterminators number two. In that order. In that order. Because, as we'll find in the news... What a transition. That was largely what the people demanded. Well, obviously. It obviously. should be way more than a mini. Well, I, I just, I, I gave away the lead. You know, that's the poll results. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be sneaky. Forget I said that. No. Because I'm going to ask forget. you. Forget it. Hey, X-23, Deadly Regenesis. We talked about this in our Patreon episode because it was confirmed by Marvel that it is taking place in the past. This is not a Krakoan era story. It's actually the Utopian era. Mm. For all those fans of AVX, all three of you. Ooh. (laughs) Nobody likes it. Same number of fans as 100 fans. That's (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Three is a good number. No, there's more 100 fans. I feel it in my bones. I think so, too. Rogan Gambit will seemingly feature the murder ladies and their family dynamic, as revealed in X-Men Monday's conversation with Jordan D. White. And by the murder ladies, you are referring to Destiny and Mystique? Yes, okay. of course. The murder ladies are Destiny and Mystique. The murder boys are Omega Red and Deadpool. I see. This is just a shorthand that only I am keeping track of. Right, exactly, which is why we need to clarify for the rest of us once in a while. And then I'll start saying it in shorthand to people who are not reading comics. Just like, yeah, like, the more the murder ladies, that's a, the book you need to check out. And they will be like, uh, what? what? Justin, you in trouble. Betsy and Rachel rocking out in Captain Britain. Mm-hmm. I don't need to I don't need to revisit everything, but I felt like if I was going to talk about two, I might as well talk about all four of her new titles coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but their relationship will be at the forefront and it actually will be the Betsy show oh. instead of a covert Betsy show that was Excalibur. Oh my goodness, gravy. And Brian will be accompanying them with some more family drama, brother sister oh, time. Drama. And it was an interesting I mean like I saw it Mm-hmm. On the War College cover, just the fact that all of the X-Men that were there were black people. Right. And I was confused by this, and we don't get any reason as to why, but it was very much so called attention to in the interview, and that you'll have to read to find out. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. This evening, 1027, mm-hmm. was the Hasbro Pulse Premium event. Ooh-hoo. As a Pulse Premium subscriber, I... 
got the invite that was also just a YouTube link that anybody could have found if you went Googling for it. So, So, uh, really, you're not special. No. Hasbro, (laughs) what are you doing? Nothing X-Men related. So this is a nothing burger, except for Uh. the fact that a reminder that we may never get Goblin Queen because it's still losing backers. Okay, but... The engine of vengeance is still losing backers. me Madeline. I don't care about the car. No. They announced the final tier, which was Hellstrom. Mm. Yeah, Hellstrom, which, and it's also the closest the tiers have ever been. Mm. So I think the the car gets funded at 9,000. Madeline gets funded at 10,000. Mephisto at 11. Hellstrom at 12. And it's never been that tight. Well, no, because it's never been this, like... yeah difficult for them to get backers yeah i know um i don't feel bad i just i don't know how i feel like i, I do feel bad for them a sure. little bit but like do they seem you know just dis- when they were on the stream did they seem disappointed or were they i mean they're keeping they're, it in high spirits they're, they're trying to keep it in high spirits you know they're trying to keep you going and they don't want you to know that it's s- failing even though you can go online and see that it's failed. Yeah, and if you're like me, even though I haven't backed it, I still check it every so often because I like the drama. I'm here for the drama. But anyway, I don't just give us Madeline. Yeah. Like that's what people really want. Can't you tell? I do have How many people do you think told them that at New York Comic Con? I mean, I at least told them twice. So So in We different, know Paul told them. In different costumes, so they thought I was different people. So they don't know. Right. In other Hasbro Pulse news, uh-huh. my animated series Apocalypse and Mojo Pack shipped. Speaking of Mojo, making an appearance this week. Mm. I don't have a Mojo figure. I'm very excited about this. And I got the four pack with a new long shot and a new Dazzler. Ooh. And a little mini Wolverine to go on the Wolverine shelf. Oh, because we need more Wolverine. No, and I'm actually kind of upset about this Wolverine because oh. it's not a real figure. It's just this little tiny statue like ex-baby's Wolverine. Oh. And it's counted as a four-pack, which it Ooh, should not be. Rude. That's rough. That's rough. That's tough. That's tough. Tough biscuits. I was going to say something else, but I won't. Black Panther premiered. Yes, it did. To some lucky folks that got to see it. A bunch of our friends were out there watching the movie, making us jealous with their images and their excitement. But also all looking full. All looking real good and and just hyping it up. Yeah, I've heard only great things on the internet. Like almost some blasphemous things saying that it was better (laughs) than The Winter Soldier. And uh, The Winter Soldier is my favorite. Let me preface that correctly, okay? This person on TikTok, and forgive me because I don't know what their username was or their handle was, but Justin's favorite Marvel movie is The Winter Soldier. One of, yes. One of. Okay. It's the one he hypes is like, this is a it's, great film. It's my sick it's time a movie. It's sick day movie. He'll watch it over and over and over. So this person said, they say, dare I say Wakanda Forever is the best Marvel movie ever made. And then they said, I used to think Winter Soldier was the perfect film. You should have heard me reacting when she delivered this news. Woof. He was not okay. Give me the shivers. He was a little concerning the way he reacted. But but not just because of the fact that it's MCU news, and we sometimes talk about that on the pod, but Namor Mm -hmm. is a mutant. Indeed. And to have him appearing on screen. As a mutant. Sure. We've had Professor X from an alternate timeline. We've Mm -hmm. had technically the guy that is was the the bear from black widow he is a mutant but he's not actually a mutant in the Mm. movie at least we don't see it 
And spoilers for Ms. Marvel if you haven't seen it, Kamala Khan hinted right. to be another mutation. So they're popping up. And then the fact that She-Hulk was like, hey, what about the X-Men? Yeah. That was great. Ah, uh, She-Hulk. So tell me, tell me your predictions on our poll. Oh, well, if I had to guess, my favorite was Exterminators, and the crowd usually goes with me. Sometimes. So <laughs> I say Exterminators Give me won. a percentage. What were the, what books were in the poll? Wolverine, New Mutants, Judgment Day, and Exterminators. All right. I think... 43% exterminators. Wow, 42%. Oh my gosh, I'm a psychic. Wow. That's so dope. 34% for Judgment Day. Ew. That's pretty close. I don't say ew. Ew. Oh, come on. Ew. Eight, 18% for New Mutants, 5% for Wolverine. Oh, The Wolverine. bubs is struggling. There was a while that it didn't have any votes. Oh, no. I almost feel bad for it. I'm going to switch my account and vote for it. But no, I feel dishonest. I did vote this week. I don't usually do. You voted. I, why not? It's for the public. I like our posts sometimes. <laughs> if I can do that, I can vote. I get yeah. a voice. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I get the end You voice. have a whole podcast for your voice, though. It's true, I guess. <laughs> we did get a question, more of a, a general question. Ah, a pre-discussion question. That I, you know, I will say I don't know the answer to. But I don't think it's true. Okay. Off topic, Pete Woods, 86, wants to know, have all the Sinister Secrets going back to Hoxpox been revealed? I think most of them have. Mm. But I don't think all of them, especially because we got some new ones added in from Immortal X-Men. I somewhere have a spreadsheet of all the Sinister Secrets. It's true. And started listing out when they all got revealed. And it might be, it might be time... To go back to those and uh, refresh. Might be. But you know I love a good mystery, so that's an interesting question. And before we get into the comics, oh, we have a prediction from Comic Extracts. I love a prediction. On our third mutant in Forge's suit. Ah, oh, yes. Who is it, Comic Extracts? He believes it to be Sync. <gasps> the fact that he's already been in the vault... He'd be able to sync with Darwin and they could get out. Oh. Hence the reunion element. Interesting. 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 I like it because it's adaptable. Mm-hmm. It's able to play off of the children of the vault around them. Mm. I'm, I'm curious to see how, because I believe Caliban is the one, the power takes place in the mind. Right. That's why he's got to be worn yes. like a suit. So I'm curious to know like what else Forge could do with Sync's power and especially like if he knows about the long distance sinking. Yeah. Huh. I like it. I like it a lot. But that's for a future episode. That's for another day. For now, we're talking about X-Men Unlimited. X-Men Unlimited. So it's the XXX friends. Yeah. As the Starjammers team up to win the day with our wayward friends. I love Ross and Rachel being the names of the two little monsters. I laugh so hard. That strong guy is now just keeping as his forever friends. And here for the Mad Rockers Prime. Mad Rockers. Captain Mad Rocks. Mad Rocks. I like it. (laughs) I'm into it. Space Pirates 
and just the play on Madrox is yes. is funny. It is very funny. And I really like the reasons why they feel ownership for this vessel because yeah, of all sense. the work. Yeah. And I mean, something to think about, too. Like, how often does he just create these dupes who have a personality but also don't have a personality, use them for something, and then just suck them back in? Suck them back in. And then that lives within him to see another day, potentially? Yeah. I love that they drew inspiration from the Star Jammers. Yeah, and that Corsair was like, "Wait, what? Oh snap! I don't remember that." But I think my favorite moment was Captain Spirit Halloween. Captain Spirit Halloween. Yeah, that that gave me a good giggle as well. As Jamie resets all of his dupes, pulls them back in, they except save the one. day, except for the one that gets trapped in carbonite, so that he can go be given to Gladiator because yeah. somebody's got to pay. Right, because. Corsair will save his own butt every day of the week. Every day. Written and art by Jason Liu. Colors by Antonio Fabella. Letters by Joe Sabino. Mm, VCs, Joe Sabino? Mm, yes. Hey, X-Men Legends number three. Okay. I've always been a big fan of Mojo. His attitude, not his look. Yeah. His look terrifies me. I gotta say... I didn't. I'm not that big of a fan. Really? I think for me, it's... Well, this is your first real, other than, I think, the X Factor issues. Right. I think this, it's too much like the excellent for me. (laughs) And that is just, I don't know. Why? What do you mean by that? Well, the stakes of it all and the... The whole thing of like it's a TV show, like I don't know, it's just it's storyline wise, it's just not something that it, I find to be super interesting. I mean, he's always been a joke on the comic industry itself. It's always been very meta, very self-referential, very thinking about the world in terms that are poking fun at it. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like that is as someone that loves those types of things is one of the reasons why I'm drawn to his ridiculousness. And just his voice from the animated series, yeah. just his actions, they're all ridiculous to a level that I don't see in many other villains. I mean, I had to take a nap after I read this issue, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking we're going high level on yes, this. Yes, great. As, Good. Wonderful. Uh, I was waiting, but I didn't want to ask that question. Because <laughs> according to Blonde China, X-Men Legends isn't real. This is, does not exist. <laughs> I would get on board with that. Does not exist. It's just, it. I love meta-commentary. And Mojo, Spiral, and Longshot traveling and arguing as they go through dimensions into their final destination, into Mojo World. I just thought that that was ridiculous fun. I definitely thought there were things about it that were fun. I just also, I like more of a plot-driven story. And the plot of this story was that Mojo wanted to create yet another movie where all of them just kill each other with no actual real plot like the the thing they talk about constantly is that there isn't a plot sure you know what i mean so i mean that's just mojo being mojo and domo calling him out on it that i mean i loved me some wolverine and kitty pride action absolutely super into that that cover doesn't lie wolverine and Shadowcat are joining us on this journey but also listen to wolverine you silly little girl yeah don't stick your hand in that portal. Seriously. Now we got these kind of cool costumes and we're in this epic war. And Yeah. As we've been jacked up with these mental manipulations and ready for an all out war. And it, it, it leaves us on a cliffhanger. Like we don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. I do think it's interesting too that like they 
Wolverine and Kitty get kind of like pulled in and they're under some sort of trance and and Wolverine can sort of resist it a little bit more and is trying to acknowledge like, hey, this isn't what you think it is. But then the subconscious doubts and like concerns that Kitty has about the X-Men treating her like a child and this is sort of her chance to prove herself like yeah. that comes through. Like I think that's interesting and I definitely thought some of it was funny but... That's the plot underneath the no plot. Right, right. But I think like if I didn't read this comic I would have been okay but it wasn't the worst thing I've ever read. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean I also am a big fan of the original Longshot miniseries mm-hmm. and that was an Anacenti creation and she's back here on this so that's great to see. It's definitely I think more for nostalgia oh, yeah, yeah. that I, mean, I don't have. That's that's know? X-Men Legends baby. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. I wish our Adams was here but I also did enjoy Javier Pina. We're talking about it. It's written by Innocenti, art by Javier Pena, colors by Jim Campbell, letters Joe Caravagna. Um, and our color artist. Um, what, what's that? Oh. Is there something else that goes before Joe's name? Maybe in your mind. VCs? Joe Cover Caravagna? artist Giuseppe Camuncoli and Jean Francois Bellero. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Good job. At first, I was like, look at you saying Francois. <laughs> Jean Francois Bellero. I'm sorry, Jean-Francois. Jean-Francois. <laughs> Keeping all of that. <laughs> all right. Moving on. I just think it must have been my love for these characters. Yes. And yes. probably also the fact that I got the notification that I'm getting my mojo yes, box in. all just really like beautiful connections. Yeah. I, I really do love the original miniseries. So, it, yeah, it's, it's nostalgia that you don't have. Exactly. On to the bubs. On to the bubs. Wolverine number 26. Ah, layers of plot-filled goodness coming together on this cover. I mean, I was excited to see our friend Jeff back in the mix. Oh, yeah. I'm all for that. And honestly, Legacy House was a stone unturned that I was interested in more. Yes, yes. Shall we? Yeah. Page turn noise. (laughs) Hitting us in the face. With these throwback images. Yeah. I really liked this sentiment. The the things that pull Wolverine out of the rage. Mm-hmm. So we have these three full panel images. Him fighting with a very classic roster from Chris Claremont's days. Him fighting with Spider-Man. And him fighting with his family against the Reavers. I was all about getting all of these images i loved that classic look you know how i feel about venom and then the wolverine fam is by far one of my favorite fams did you see pretty boy oh we were talking about him last week there he is pretty boy blondie pierce got an action figure donald blondie pierce donald blondie pierce really i was just looking at the girls gabby skullbuster hiding in the background bone breaker the tank centaur wow looking at you bone breaker Looking at you, Bonebreaker. Yeah, it's a beautiful splash pages of all-out action, and just plus these details that bring him out. The butterfly, the baker break, baking bread. It's interesting that he's not completely mindless in his rage at times. Right. Because like, oftentimes when we consider the Berserker rage, that is something that overtakes his consciousness. Right. This is like, these are the things that pull him back. Mm. And we get a title page. The Distant past the beast agenda the off days dun, dun, dun. written by benjamin percy art by juan jose reap 
Colors by Frank Diamarta. Letters, Corey Petit. VCs, Corey Petit. Who did I cover? Lennel Francis Yu and Romulo Fajardo Jr. Okay. It's Jeff. It's Jeff. I like this lead-in through the lens of Jeff Bannister, like catching up with him. Basically, yeah, I used to be that guy, and now I'm on the desk. I wear sandals to work. Yeah. I wear sandals to work, and I walk in the park, and here's the thing. When I got to this page, I had, like, this really difficult moment where I was like, why do I not like the way this girl is drawn at all? I was like, something is really off about her, especially when we're seeing her, like, laugh in that in the the nine box page where number four yeah in box number four i was like "Ooh, her face is not okay and then i'm like going through the rest of the issue and i'm like but i really like all this other art i'm so confused by it it's it's really interesting because i felt something similar i i liked the layouts and the textures of things but some of the faces and even some of the the body formations were really striking me in an odd way that that weird wolverine walking through the gate in his his cowboy blue jeans and he's like hey oh see no i meant because this isn't her real face as we get later in the issue oh i didn't think that that was it but that's what i was like oh was it made to be like something's a little off with her because there's a lot of these like close-up details like the hand with the watch and like i don't know you're trying to tell me like that's it that's something that i should be looking at what is the purpose of this close-up like i was just intrigued by that and then it got i got to later and i was like oh that's what was throwing me off well I, and i do also like to point out the fact that jeff bannister tells us how he doesn't appreciate being a part of dolores's team Mm -hmm. and just calling out the ex desk and this potential love in the park or Mm -hmm. an eerie deception could be both we don't know because ah it just i don't know maybe it's because i know to distrust things like this Mm -hmm. but this just reeked of deception see i didn't know i didn't think of it as deception right off the bat i thought Definitely this person is leaving you a clue like they left you this magazine for a reason because they wanted you to find something out. But I wasn't sure. I didn't think of it as deception. I thought maybe this person is trying just trying to tell you something without telling you something, which they were. But, you know, not good things. Not in a great way. They must have done their homework, though. The late wife lookalike. Yeah. Messed up. Well, they knew that's how they're going to get his attention. Oh, yeah. Ready for some war and work stories as we're slow building our elements in a little backyard party. I love that this is a family that Logan can just kind of like be himself escape to, right. you know, just go and be like, well, you're not my real family, but you're basically my fake family and I'm going to come hang out with you and decompress. Everyone I love is either dead or a superhero, so we can hang out until I inevitably get you killed. Until... I have to go because Beast calls me and we'll play mermaids next time. I promise. Here's Deadpool's finger. Yeah. Uh, because you need a key to get through Krakoa and friends are important. I kind of love it. And I also just imagine in my mind how that conversation between, you know, Wolverine and, and Wade went. And I feel like Wade would be super into it. <laughs> I didn't think it was a conversation. I thought it was a, I'm taking your finger, bub. And he sliced it off and walked away. Mm. And- <laughs> but I just feel like, 
knowing Wade, if you if Wolverine was like, hey, there's a sick kid and I need her to have a way to get into Krakoa, I'm gonna give her one of your fingers. Like, even if he just took it, I feel like Deadpool would be like, yo, dope. I'm into it. I'm into that. And like, I feel like when Wolverine has to go to work, he could leave Deadpool to play mermaids and he'd totally be into it. <laughs> I don't think Jeff would be okay with it though. Wolverine is one thing because he at least knows how to tone it down when he's around kids. Deadpool has no filter. Yeah, we saw Deadpool him with the would, new mutants. Would he would commit to mermaids so hard. In in a very uncomfortable way, I assume. <laughs> Onto a data page. Jeff is just dying to talk about his lady friend in this work update. Yeah. But also I may have found something. Is this a job where you just read everything and enjoy media for secret messages? Because I want this job. Well, but you have to actually be looking for secret messages, oh, yeah, not yeah. just enjoying media. Oh, yeah, yeah. I will absolutely dive deep into media and break it down Isn't... and look for any other thing. Hi, welcome to our podcast. This is what I do. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's no... Actual government conspiracy in comics? Maybe. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We'll see. Dun, 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 dun. On to the shadow room. But I love that I didn't know it was the shadow room at first. Yeah, it's true. And this spread, these pages oh, yeah. this is, are this is freaking beautiful. gorgeous. This is, uh, the, the action sequences are where it shines. And I just, it feels like the faces catch me off every now and then. Mm. Yeah, I love all of this. I love like seeing the shadow room in action. I like that it's becoming a more prominent part of the books. And well, it's I, like a decked out danger room right, and to actually like, use it for specific it's purposes. It's kind of been in the background, but I feel like in the last few issues of Wolverine and X Force, like we're actually getting to see it work the way it works and we're getting that danger room vibe. And then, you know, we're getting this this description of what's going on and the realization that Beast is saying, I'm plotting for a probably. Yeah. Not even a definite. Not even something that he knows is going to happen. Yeah. We are watching Minority Report in the Shadow Room. And yes, I had to Google what that movie was because I couldn't remember. It was like a movie where they they arrest you before you commit a crime. Oh, my Tom God. Cruise. Okay, but wait. Let's talk about this octopus monster for just a second because it's so cool. Looking. All of the... Did you see the octopus face pirate on the yes. spread page? That was beautiful. The pirates beautiful. are so cool. This, yeah, it's so dope. The art is so dope. And I really love the way that Wolverine just stops the simulation. And he's like, no, I'm not doing this garbage. Like, yeah. And, and he's like... You, you are just asking for a fight and get off your high horse. I'm walking away. And I really like how he and Beast are butting heads. Yes. This, this, like, don't just walk away from me. You're in here. I'm warning you. Like, you're not my dad. Right. Like, get out of here. Come on. Just because you have this position that you definitely should not have, we're sage in all this personally. Right. right. Just because you're that guy doesn't mean I work for you indefinitely or for whatever you say. Right. And you can't just be like, oh, well, I think maybe these people are going to do something. So like even the way he phrased it is like they they might try to get in the way of our business. Yeah. Like, OK, that's not a reason to attack someone. Anyone might do anything. An attack on our trade routes is a possibility. So will end their lives and use biological warfare right. we'll before they can completely destroy them and this location <laughs> ridiculous it's Absolutely ridiculous ridiculous you're gonna start a war before there's even conflict yeah you're the worst beast but also jeff cracked the code yay 
I looked up what a, a pig pen cipher is. Ooh. And it's like a tic-tac-toe type yeah. of cipher, which I thought was kind of cool. But then I was like, but now I want to see the ad. I would too. I think that that's a detail that would have added a lot, especially the fact that he keeps on referring to it as back page, back matter. I, feel like, I wonder if we'll see it at some point. I don't know. I feel like we're by the end of the book, we're, we're almost past, past it. Yeah. But that would have been a really cool addition. Yeah. Because I also really like the stylization of these data pages. Yeah. Because it, it gives you a data page in a similar way from the Kirk Cohen side, but for the CIA. Like, this is their actual data page. But you know what I like is they, we've had like from the X desk ones. Sure. And I like that this one is done on a typewriter and it has coffee stains on it. Yeah. And yeah. it's just very specific to Jeff and how he's just kind of like, yep, I'm here doing my job. Here's my paperwork. Well, he doesn't trust electronics either. I remember that from his original appearances in Wolverine, mm-hmm. that he's analog. He's not in the system. He's off the grid. Yeah. And then he's like, listen. I'm bringing in the bubs. I got to go work with my friend Wolverine. Cut to working with my friend Wolverine. I mean, like, does the CIA approve of this? Right. Like, hey, That's I'm bringing he's in. just so casually like, yeah, I'm going to talk to I'm Wolverine I'm bringing in this, this murder machine that is also a mutant who we're kind of weird about. always spying on Krakoa, but I'm going to work with them right now. Yeah. I'm going to give them intel. and We're going on a secret fun mission. And also he hangs out in my backyard, which you probably already know about because you spy on me. Because you're definitely watching me. But let's break into a museum together. It's cool because, you know, like what he's saying about how museums only really show 5% of their collection and stuff like that. Just from working special events and doing special events at museums, a lot of times we will have to like go in through the employee entrance and like we walk through the basement and we see like all the art that's not up. And it's so crazy the amount of stuff that is in museums and is not currently on display. It's ridiculous, honestly. But they do like... Just a little side note, like they they check your stuff. Like, oh yeah, they, I bet. when we go in with like all of our gear for a gig, and then we come out, we have to like stand there at the security desk, and they go through everything because they're like, "You trying to? You better not steal those things we stole a long time ago." <laughs> yeah, don't steal those things we stole. Uh, museums are conflicting. Yeah, well, the museums didn't steal them. Other people stole them, and the museums are like, "Well, we'll just hold them instead of giving them back to the people who they rightfully belong to." Sure. Tangents. Anyway, sniff, sniff. We ain't alone, bub. Hey, there's someone. A lady, perhaps? Uh, nah. nah. <laughs> that merchant coming in to crush Bannister's dreams of love. I know. Sorry. Uh, I am not a lady, and I don't actually like you. I put my hand on your leg. I'm here for the bubs. Zweak. Look at these cool shackles I got from sad times in your life, Wolverine. Yeah, but this bolo tie tech is pretty awesome. The fact that they have all this gear from his history, that you know, image inducers, that was very much so what Kurt wore during the beginning of his time in Uncanny X-Men. And then to have Weapon X cuffs to hold Wolverine at bay. I mean, this group is into some crazy stuff. They're collectors. And now let's fill up the room with a little who's who of bad guys. I I liked looking in the background and trying to find bad guys. And there was definitely people that I was like, hey, I recognize that face. Like, is that Lady Deathstrike in the front? In the purple? I don't think so. No, you don't think so? I noticed, I recognized some Order of the X members in their hoods. And that's definitely the chameleon in the front row next to the woman in the purple. Mm -hmm. And then that's Mr. Negative behind him. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then, and then see, on the other pages, there's some. Yeah, we see Taskmaster on the other page. Yep. But oh man, this is intense. Oh my god, this was bananas. At first, I was like, oh look, they're going to auction off Wolverine. And then I was like, oh nope, no. they're going to just kill him real quick. They already did that before. Yeah. They, you know, hey, we were auctioning off an arm of Wolverine. But what about we make our own trinkets and souvenirs? Just going to yeah. shoot him in the face and dig it out. Look, I dug up this bullet. Here, how about an ear? But like, what, what about this hair follicle? Who would pay $10,000 for a bullet dug out of Wolverine's body? Like, what value does that have? Is it just like a prize? I guess. It's the more ear. like the all of the genetic material. Yeah, that, that was that really I understand. what I was like, okay, not only are you saying like, oh, I have Wolverine's ear, but now you also have Wolverine's DNA. That's like, is the that part what that, you're really yeah. going for? I mean, you want to call in the human. You want to call in the human to do something crazy with that, but we'll get to them later. We'll get to them later. Ready for that last page reveal? No, I was not ready. No, neither was I. I just what? (laughs) Some jerk in the back has a bright idea. How much would it cost to be the one who killed Wolverine? And it's freaking beast. It's beast all dressed up in his tie. He's going to an auction. Like, what are people thinking right now? He's, right. he's very much so a mutant. Like that- everybody knows he's not in disguise. You think you got an you think you got an eye patch on and we don't know it's you? Right. What are you, Wolverine? Yeah. <laughs> like this. He is tried that already. You are also blue. It's a little different. And I wonder how long he's been in on this because I, I feel remember like he's been in on it for a while. Because well, I remember some stuff in early X Force with him coming into. Like the, the dark web of things and people buying certain mutant-related aspects. Mm-hmm. And if he joined in on that in some way. But like at the same time, I mean, I guess he is very much so not in the public eye in terms right. of mutants. And he has also, I mean, they're all hero teams, but he's been on a lot of other teams other than just mutant teams. Let's be honest. Ben Percy has been planning this. Oh, sure. We I knew, hope so. Right. He knew. We had, had has to be, got to be. Next issue, beastly behavior. I can't with this, though. Jaw on the floor, out loud, what? Yeah. When I was reading it. Yeah, I know. Just not well. What'd you think? I I liked this issue a lot. Yeah. I I like seeing Jeff. I like that side of, of, you know, Wolverine's life. I like their companionship. I liked the mystery behind what was going on. And I felt like, you know... We're starting to uncover some of those things that were little nuggets that were dropped in earlier Wolverine issues. So I like going back to them and these types of missions where it's really Wolverine and people outside of Krakoa make it feel like this is the Wolverine book. Right. And, and not just an I, offshoot of right. X-Force, even though we get a lot of X-Force in this book. Right. And and I thought the Shadow Room stuff was really cool. I love the art in those sections. I think we saw Domino for a hot second, which was cool, even though it's not an X-Force book. But yeah, and and seeing the tension build with Beast and, and then the big reveal at the end, I thought this was a great issue. Yeah. I don't know why I got so few votes. I mean, there was a lot of... A lot of heat this week. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's one of the main reasons why. I, yeah, but Judgment Day did better than this. Yes, rightfully so. Disagree. As much as I did enjoy most of this in the end, it felt a little slow, and it felt like they're plots that I've seen before. So we're just kind of like running the bases to bring them back to the forefront. I just I feel like that's often a problem when 
we've seen a lot of these plots before that Ben's been working with across X-Force and Wolverine. And it's like, okay, let's bring them together and bring them back up. If Legacy House is not resolved at the end of this or or something new or different mm-hmm. happens with Jeff Bannister, like, I, I feel like that's a disservice to these plots. It just keeps on cooking. Mm-hmm. And we further the disgruntled disagreement between Beast and Wolverine. And that's definitely the core of his story, right? That the... the two sides of the cia mm-hmm. the head and the fist i just i felt like and and it is also he, ben even promoted this as a great place to jump back in on yeah. because it's a new story it's a new arc we're setting the seeds to then play with over the next couple of issues yeah so i think what i was uh finding interesting about what you were saying is not everybody like there are people like you who like you reread and you are really good at like remembering all the nooks and crannies of a story and then there are people like me whose brain wanders in places all the time and like I thought this was a really great issue because it helped me reset where I was and it helps me be like okay this is who Jeff is and yep, he does work. And yeah, okay, I remember like all the stuff that went down with Dolores. And then, yeah, Legacy House, that's where that auction was. And like all of that, like it helped me get back into it. And it progressed it enough in a way that I was invested and ready for what was next. So I think I can understand where you're coming from. Where if if it isn't continued or resolved or something like that isn't we'll, furthered from the story. We'll do this again in another 20 issues. Or... Right. But I do think finding out that Beast is a part of it is a huge reveal. And oh, yeah, it yeah, takes yeah. it forward. The, the last page saved this book or, or made this book exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did enjoy it. Can Beast be trusted? It's a loaded question. No. Well, I so, like my question really is what is his reason for suggesting that? How much would it cost to kill Wolverine? Is he trying to put him out of his misery or trying to protect secrets? Is he here by chance or has he been tailing Logan? Like, is this all part of his role in the CIA? I think that Beast puts, inserts himself into these dirty dealings as a way to gather information and seem that he has the upper hand on everyone else in X-Force so he could say, well, I was there and I saw this and I was whatever. I'm the conductor. And that's how he also, but I wouldn't put it past that he's also doing some dirty dealings with these people and selling Krakoan secrets and like, I don't trust him in that aspect. And then I think in this instance, he was already going to be here and he was going to be here and he was going to be in the background and he was not going to make a big stink about being at this auction, even though he knew it was going to happen and he probably assumed that Wolverine was going to be set up. But once Wolverine dissed him in the shadow room, now he's mad and he's taking it to the next level. Like, I think he actually wants Wolverine dead. Like, I think he doesn't want anyone who will challenge his authority. And I think he got yeah, but, kind of uh, petty and, and lost control a little Wolverine bit. Wolverine dead is meaningless, though, right? In Krakoa. Not, he's- not if, you're, if you're a member of X-Force and you have power over the five to say you will not resurrect this person. You think that the council is going to take that at face value for Wolverine? I don't, but I think that Beast thinks that they will sure. because he's Beast. Yeah. Like, I think... He has this convoluted idea in his head of the amount of power that he has. Well, so I also just think about the fact that Beast was not there or involved in the first couple of instances of the Legacy House. So after that mission that Logan inserted himself in, 
was that a reason to then keep tabs on in an interesting way? Well, you don't know that Beast wasn't there. Well, I mean, I know that he wasn't in the room because I didn't see him, but... You didn't see him. Okay. But because maybe because Ben Percy didn't want you to see him yet. Is this title intentionally making CIA operatives look dumb? Like first Wolverine giving away the map to the island and now Jeff Bannister falling in love with the big bad villain. Maybe it's just that I'm, I know I'm reading a comic about the CIA and I'm at high alert for this stuff. I don't think it, I don't think they're making them look dumb. I think that these villains are playing into people's vulnerabilities. And I think in both instances, this idea, you know, that both of these men are lonely and they're being enticed in a way. And especially like making this woman look exactly like his, deceased wife like yeah there was a plot there and seemingly harmless conversation warlion's wondering are we getting the end of the beast arc in percy's story hmm. i don't i don't think so just because from when we talked to him beast versus wolverine is the thesis statement of the story I so think, if this is going to be the end of it that means that he's wrapping up the big I think this could be the beginning of the end. Like this could be the beginning of act three, Hmm. but not necessarily the end. Like I think this is, this is still a lot to devour and, and to dig into. Well, especially with the Peacock man coming up in a future issue. Is it, are we running the bases one last time to cook things up and to slowly wind them down or bring them all together to a head? Yeah, I think bring them all together is really the answer also why is deadpool the only key to krakoa logan can be too and i think it's easier and probably more rewarding to cut off deadpool's finger than it is to slice through some adamantium and lose his own finger yeah and i i also think that it makes like i think that deadpool's into it like i feel like that he's like oh okay i'm in i can get in i can get into krakoa and now you want to use me to help other people get into krakoa i'm in i'm a mutant i'm i'm on the team i just feel like that's gonna encourage him to start passing out fingers to people that he shouldn't be well yeah it's probably not a good idea but i feel like that's why and also because it's like eh it's deadpool who cares if we chop off his finger sure on to new mutants yes new mutants number 31 with a new creative team, hilarious and amazing cover. Bring on the escapade. Yes. I thought escapade this was ridiculous. is everybody. Yeah. And that is her power. Yes. Be everywhere, everyone. All the time. Let's get into it. Page turn noise. I kind of love this idea of a creative writing class. And the reasoning is strong for it, too. Yes. I'm super into it. And I love that Pyro is just yeah. lurking in the background. Because he is a published writer. He, he, is he writes romance novels. He is the inspiration for these young, you know, these the future authors of Krakoa. Right. Giving some notes. Yeah. You could you could be my opening act on my next book tour. Mm-hmm. As Emma comes in to talk smack and check in on Escapade. What do you think about seeing your girl here? I, I like it. I, I like seeing her. I also just want to go back for a second and just look at like all the different disgruntled faces of these mutant children being like, okay, well, we're in school, but we're having to do like real school instead of like battle yeah. training and I have to write a story. And also, don't y'all have the craziest lives? Can't you write a story about that? Right, right. Some science fiction. Listen, I'm here for this. I think this is, I know all of Emma's outfits are sexy. 
but I think this is a little, a little bit more like night out on the town sexy than general. Checking in like, on the I'm students. I'm gonna go check in on the students. Yeah, sexy. this is not headmistress of a, a school. Boa for the, for heaven's sake, but I mean she looks great, so sure, it's all good. As we're talking about training escapade and taking her training to the next level, it's an interesting back and forth. The, the truth of what's coming up about Krakoa to Escapade from the Lost Club. Yes. The fact that Emma isn't worried about it at all. No, I just want her to bond with mutants. She doesn't need to be in love with Krakoa. She just needs to understand why she should be on our side. Right. And I mean, I think that's a valuable point. And I also think it's interesting to sort of let the children have their feelings about Krakoa and about what's going on because that's what's going to give them their cause, right? Like... The all of the mutants who grew up outside of Krakoa always had this feeling of being hated and feared, right? And that's what gave them their cause of like trying to find their purpose and Xavier's dream of like we need to unify everybody. We need to show them that we're here to help them. And these younger mutants don't have to deal with that. So they need something to be their driving force of like what puts them forward. What is it that we fight for? And what we fight for is each other. And even though they're coming to that realization in a different way, they're still coming to that realization because they're bonding with each other. And they need to have that as a as a motivator. And even just where we end up is just Krakoa is what you make it. Right. You, know? like, you can make it be a better place, especially when we as a team stick together. Right. And I do also on the flip side of that, appreciate, you know, Danny and Karma's, Karma's perspective of just because we had to be thrown into the fire doesn't mean that's how we have to train everybody. As they then later get thrown into the fire. Right. Right. Hey, it's a title page. The Sublime Saga. Part 1, Fate and Consequences. Written by Charlie Jane Anders. Art by Alberto Albuquerque. With Rose Stein and Ted Brandt on the Young Sheila and Morgan stories. Colors by Carlos Lopez with Tamara Bonvillain on the Young Sheila and Morgan stories. And letters in production by Travis Lanham. VCs, Travis Lanham. Our cover artists were Rafael de la Torre and David Curiel. I also just want to point out... Tamara Bond villain that just it, it sounds like Bond villain when I said it <laughs> Bond the first villain? yeah 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 like it just not like like Mr Bond <laughs> Tamara Bond villain yes into it and I do like that if you didn't if you didn't read the Marvel Voices Pride issue or if you did but it's been a while and you need a recap we're getting to know Sheila a little bit better yeah, getting would, a recap of her history and who she is i always love a good voiceover narrative that helps build out the story mm-hmm. versus uh sometimes i like a thematic voiceover narrative but that is a lot harder to juggle i feel like this does a really great job at showing you who sheila is while exploring who she is now on krakoa mm-hmm. as we get to know her her people this m- talk with martha and her struggle for a body missing farts that was yeah that was hysterical i laughed so hard at that um yeah and just like the new new mutants finding their own i will say i'm a little disappointed that gabby isn't involved in this sure but you know maybe that means like she's in the background like she she's in the class in the wide shot here with all of them she's like ah with her hands up and then she just seems to be like running out yeah, of she the runs other off. one she's like, this book is too big she's like i gotta so i see something i must go to it but 
you know. It's also just interesting that Anole is in this group. Yeah, I know. And even in the fir- on the first page, like, I was like, Anole looks very mature to be in this class. He is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sharing their negative experiences, the specifics of how Sheila's power works and, and just talking to her about her duty to pull pranks with this power. Right. I loved that. But I I did appreciate a little bit more of a straightforward explanation of her power because yeah. we sort of saw it in action in the Pride issue, but I still didn't fully understand it. So kind of understanding the scope that you can switch like talents, you can switch objects, you can squ- switch emotions. Like there's a lot of range to what her power can actually do. Yeah. As we then see, as she uses it on Blob, Jamie Madrox, Multiple Man, and Angel. I do think maybe, she, maybe she's a little young to be being a bartender. Yeah, you never know. But also, doesn't she, it later, it's like she says to Morgan, I could stay at our place. So, like, how young is she that her and Morgan have their own place? Uh, I think that was because she they lived together with someone's parents. I don't remember which one it okay. was, but that was one of those like flashback comics in mm-hmm. the Pride issue. Did you see Emma spying on the pranks in the blob? Oh my god, no! Hold on, let me go back to this. Maybe that's why. Oh yeah, I see her smirking up a storm. Well, she's like, look at that. She's making friends. Yay! She's doing shenanigans. This shared conversation of the ways that powers can scare them and the pessimism about resurrection, too, is intense. It's just they're Mm -hmm. all just like, you never know how long it'll take for you to get back and if they'll actually let you come back. Right. Well, they have a negative. Sure. They've had negative experiences with resurrection. Martha in particular. Sure. Yeah. Right. But I think that that. Again, that that is very specific to her experience, right? Right. Should they have noticed that that's something that should be corrected? Absolutely. But can you really damn them for noticing it a little too late and still taking the steps? Right. But that's, I think, what uh, relates to the immaturity of them as as younger people is that they see... The world as it revolves around them yep. and not the big picture of like, well, you know, there's other people that need to be resurrected and other things going on. And yes, we dropped the ball here, but like because the adults have apologized, right? And they did. They gave her a body and they they were going to resurrect Gabby and Cosmar got like her cosmetic changes that she wanted and all of these things. But it just took longer than they would have right. would have liked. Yeah. But growth is still growth. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fear, the Wolfsbane has a mission into the human world. Dun, Let's get scary. Da-da. Fun visual text message conversation. I like the way that this conversation played out because it feels so true to like a real friendship. You yeah. know, there's like this back and forth, but then you say that one thing that you know is going to get your friend to come. Yeah. You know? And it just... it digs into their relationship and what they value most niches in time archer for the win <laughs> mm-hmm. time to meet morgan as we're at this rally don't remind me in these text boxes that magneto is dead i'm right. still well, dealing with that also spoiler alert the mutants save everybody in judgment day sure yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean x-force last week was already given us the ending so yeah 
The savagery of these rally signs is ridiculous. Can't die, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, okay. Time to meet all those new friends and to hug it out. Mm-hmm. I love these young Sheila and Morgan comics. Oh, yeah. They, they just add so much to their dynamic, and it just seems that these two characters are going to be around for a bit, mm-hmm. having been introduced in Pride, and then almost the stars of this issue and then on the cover of future issues yeah i think it's cool because i think though we're seeing where most of the well not most right we see magic is going off and doing other things and then we have the other new mutants obviously birdo has got stuff going on on Morocco, but and sam's in space and so we're really not doing anything we really have like karma and danny and and wolfsbane here and this sort of being the and Warpath. Mentors. Right, and Warpath. <laughs> and Warpath, who's in the background in the first shot, and then... But he is mentioned. Yeah. Um, but they're they're here as sort of this, like, me- as mentors for these younger kids. But I think that taking the title New Mutants and really making it about who Them. the new yeah. mutants of Krakoa are right. is an interesting an as interesting it, way to use the title. Right? As it should be. You right. Know, I just feel like... And, and I do have a question about this later on, but... It's just interesting how New Mutants as a title is evolving because of this. Right. The crowd is not happy. And I love this. Uh, we're being attacked. Oh, what? They're throwing trash? I don't think that's being attacked. And it's like, mm, no, there's just this giant portal opening. And the quickness that Wolfsbane just instantly becomes this amazingly vicious version of herself. Like, yeah. ah, get, get the kids out of here. And it's interesting. Morgan's words about visibility and identity and body as we're talking about with Martha and just a lot of these parallels between the stories that are happening Mm -hmm. and what it means for the mutant cause but also what it means for Martha coming into herself Mm -hmm. and Charlie as a trans writer right and just gender identity as a whole right or identity as a whole and the Wolfsbane, just respect our people, okay? Like, yeah. As we talk about the culty vibes of Krakoa versus the terrible world around us. Right. And these human, they just, they're Ugh. just not messing around. I would be intensely terrified to see them like this. So Martha's reaction is spot on terrified. Right. Well, this is just instant trigger, instant You're right. trauma. Back to the trauma, yeah. As they have mutant power-ups, the free-moving fire hands courtesy of Kevin. I absolutely hate the U-Men and their dialogue makes me hate them that much more. Because what? As we get further, it's just so ridiculous and over the top. They're just like, I stole these powers from Kevin, and his name is Kevin. He didn't even come up with a cool name. What a loser. Oh, man. We're still getting this, and, and I think this is a great thing to pick up from Vita's run this mm-hmm. journal entry prompt from mm-hmm. Danny. So Warpath had done this early on in Vita's run, and to see it here is great because it also gives us some good characterization for Sarabella, which I'd assume is going to be a very big part of this arc yes. because of the tie to the U-Men and her history. And just mm-hmm. I feel like it's a great signal and backstory device for the characters that are going to be featured. Yeah. I thought so. I really appreciated in this issue. I know we've seen the human before, and I might have been told what exactly they do, but knowing that they're like hunting mutants and harvesting their abilities, yeah. it's it's just 
it's so interesting to me. And I know it's it's a common thing. It's not like this is the first time it's happened in X-Men comics. But it's so interesting to me when these people hate mutants so much. They want to become that them. That they want to become them. Right. Well, I mean, like, hate from jealousy, right? Hate right. from even, I think, one of the human, your mutant privilege, right? Right. It's just, it's just because they're jealous of what the mutants are able to do that they are not and they feel inferior because of it and right and they take it to a very extreme level by capturing torturing and manipulating them as people yeah just so they can have some sense of power over them even though the mutants are not enforcing any sense of power in the opposite direction like they're not making you all do their bidding or controlling you in these ways that you're so afraid that they're going to. I mean, that's the that's the argument that you'll hear from a human perspective, from an Orcus perspective, mm-hmm. is that they are laying the seeds for it, right? Mm-hmm. The dependency on their drugs, the recognition of them being diplomatic immunity, the resources that they're amassing, the fact that they are, you know, Magneto's words in X-Men issue four about we will buy your banks, we will buy your schools, right. we will we will win you through monetarily monetary influence the way that you taught us. Like that was huge. Oh, that dinner. Right. Oh right. It's one of my favorite the, things ever. That was, it was a, like that was like, okay, I gotta read these comments. Right. That was issue four of that run really picked it up in a different way. But Well, we're in this power dampening cage. And we really need to figure out how we're going to get out of here. I really love this moment of comfort for Martha of saying, you're not alone this time. Like, yeah, we're you're here and I completely understand why you're Triggered. You know, spiraling and, and feeling all of these things. But we are with you this time. You're not alone. And just that that sentiment is really great. And, and also, you know, the the hyping up of Morgan and the like, you know, We've been learning a lot about you. We understand who you are, even though you don't. We don't know you, and we believe in you to be able to help us come up with a plan. Right, because it's not just about your powers. This odd power to turn eight ounces of natural organic stuff into chocolate, which right. is their power. Right, but your technical abilities and the mm-hmm. fact that you have the sense to look at this problem and see what you could potentially do and then team up with Sheila knowing her powers and how they work to, I mean, obviously it fails, but to hopefully steal away that gun. I think that that's just an interesting, just seeing those, those shot for shot as the (laughs) U-Men is geared up in her jacket and suit. And it just, it shows that she is still not battle tested. She is still right. learning her powers as a new mutant should. Mm-hmm. And here come the U Men with Kevin's hands. With Kevin's hands and some really interesting, it, yeah. like parallels to to the general tension that we are witnessing uh, as a society of people questioning and not understanding gender identity, trans people, like all of this hatred and fear that's layered on top of that and using the mutant metaphor in that way now. And and just, I think it's a really interesting perspective and I think it's something that's really important to talk about, yeah. you know? And I like that it sheds light on it in that way and really also shows this idea that, like, because one of them calls them 
gender queasy and they're like you mean gender queer and they're like whatever the point is and it's like no not whatever but that's exactly the problem is that you're not taking the time to understand those people and they're not taking the time to understand mutants and so they just make assumptions right they make assumptions based off of what they know and how they're operating with very limited information and the fact that charlie is a trans woman to know that these are things that she can write about and right. can dig into because of this lived experience in how she's treated from others. Right. It's an, it's really nice to see that that perspective being brought to these stories. And then whoever this guy is. The sublime. Sublime. Okay, I know he's the bad. He's the big one. But that's all I know. Am I supposed to know more? I mean, he's the leader of the human. But he was also referenced in Marauder's last issue. As oh, one like of those... I can remember anything from Marauder. Okay. <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me. Well, I mean, he's as yet to be explored, but one of these age-old bacterias that had taken over a human form and was manipulating mutants and harvesting their organs. So, Got it. He was mentioned as this, this brother-sister warring dynamic mm-hmm. at the end of okay, Marauder's. Okay, yes. And he is also from the new X-Men run where the U-Men are introduced. This is why I need your big brain. Because I remember the the brother-sister warring bacteria situation, but I don't remember their names. But you do. Oh, yeah. And that's why I need you. That's why I read comics with you. Sure. (laughs) That's why I have the gloriousness of this podcast to further understand everything but what we don't understand is what the tease is for next issue as it is blank blank next you don't know we don't you know don't what's know. next who, who knows what do you think big picture i really like this issue i gotta come up with a new phrase to say after a, an issue when i really like it because i feel like i always go oh, i really like this issue no but i think that the perspective of taking on these new characters or digging into what who we refer to as the new new mutants is in my opinion the right direction for this title i think starting it out with the characters who were you know historically known as the new mutants was great but i think the idea that this should be a title for introducing new mutants to krakoa is a really cool concept and i think with the amount of mutants that exist it's it's a great way to like bring them into the stories and then let them eventually take flight into other things or go away for a while or whatever they may do i mean that was the initial intent with what was ed brisson's start on new mutants was that it was going to be multiple stories happening concurrently at various points throughout new mutants is didn't pan out and then vita really brought that to one core story Mm -hmm. that fed out to the training mutants that they did. And I feel like these mutants here, even with Wolfsbane here, maybe she is not a new mutant, but these are the new mutants now. Right. 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 But she's like their, she's their their Charles Xavier, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough act to follow. Vita and Rod were killing it ever since they came on after 10 of swords. And I feel like they achieved a lot of great work. I do like this plot a lot. I like this team, the characterizations. The art was interesting. It was a little heavy on the cartoon nature, but I also really liked the the style of it and just 
the visual storytelling I thought was done really well. And especially when paired with the color art, Mm -hmm. I felt like some of the colors, especially in like a smaller panel, it felt really thick with color. Like it almost felt globbed on. But in the bigger panels where... Yeah, you have that shot where they're in like the the Krakoan waterfall area. Yeah. Like that just feels like there's space to breathe in it. And even the shot where they're in the the jail cell where they wake up initially, like that just feels less condensed in one area. And I don't know if that's just heavy on the colors or just stylized. I actually think it's because so many of the books that we are reading the art is very the background is very detailed that it actually adds for more variance in the color where in some of these smaller things like even where they're sitting in the jungle it's not a ton of detail it's just big leaves so it's like a very intense saturation of one color or it's just a color background versus a very detailed background that has a lot of variation in color because it has so many things where like when you look at that the waterfall image there's you know the water and the trees and the the glistening sun and all of these things that allow it to feel like there's more going on so it feels more spacious there's more depth to the image where you know when on the the page right next to it where it's just kind of that pink sunsetty background it doesn't have as much depth so i guess that kind of also plays into that like cartoony vibe to it but i yeah. think too like for art that feels more cartoony and a little bit more not that the art style is juvenile but like geared like it's it's more kids kids art right because they're kids right so i didn't, don't mean that to sound negative like oh it's kids art i just think it, no, it just it matches it, the tone matches of the, the characters yeah, right exactly did we get any um any questions or comments or? we didn't get any but i wrote two okay initial impressions of the you men because I, I understand that you don't have a Right. Huge knowledge. I think the only time that you would have experienced them would be the children of the Adam. Yes. When they showed up at yes. the end and they, you know, that was very similar or, or kind of, you know, kind of different shades of that gray area of what's going on in the in-between of the mutant and human binary. Right. right? You have these kids posing as, which you want to talk about characters that got a heavy introduction and then went nowhere. Oof, <laughs> woof. Woof. Yeah. Still waiting. What, Carmen, I think? Yeah, Yeah, where's she at? Seriously. But to have this philosophy in action and and to have been built up and to be in action for a number of years and then to come to the surface with Sublime in charge, that's intense. I think the U-Men are scary. Like, I definitely feel frightened of them. And I think their joy in torture is what makes them most frightening. You know, like, because you can think about, you know, Dr. Stasis or Orcus and all these other things of, like, taking bits of mutants and and doing whatever they want and experimenting with them. But Mm -hmm. But this idea of torture and, like, you know, keeping a mutant alive to continue, like, experimenting and testing and seeing what they can do and manipulating, it gives me very, like, granted, I don't have very much tangible knowledge, just sort of, like, heard experiential knowledge of um, Weapon X, but that's, like, kind of what it feels like to me. It's like Weapon X, but from the level of, like, I'm going to take you and I'm going to become a weapon instead of, like, using you as a weapon, but it still has that same vibe. And 
I think it's really cool. Like I really didn't know until you pointed it out that connection between what's going on in Marauders and what's happening in this book. Like I think that's an interesting way to kind of tie things in in the world outside of what's happening in Krakoa but still right. in the world of the mutants. Well, and also it feels like a, a conscious collaboration of the story of Sublime, mm-hmm. right? Yes. To, to come at his history in his past and his current yeah. nature and then even his more immediate past with the connection to the U-Men. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where that goes. We had a few calls for the OG New Mutants to no longer be called the New Mutants. And I think that that was why we've been talking about that. And I feel like that's a general sentiment that like these aren't New Mutants. That was more of like the overall title given to everyone in the Academos Habitat, right? Mm-hmm. All these different generations of mutants that aren't the X-Men, basically. Or, right. Uh, what else could they be called? And I don't necessarily expect you to have an answer right now, but... I said seasoned mutants, you know. Seasoned, that sounds like we're going to eat them. You know, watch out, you men. Yuck. Uh, They could be called the Mentutants. Mentor mutants. The the teacher assistant mutants. Mutant academy. Yeah. Mutant faculty. Yeah, there you go. Something like that, you know? Yeah. They could be called the new school for mutants. Grad school mutants. Mutant, well, yeah, I feel like thinking of playing off like Strange Academy, Mutant Academy, Krakoan Academy. Well, just think of the fact that they're they're like the the TAs mm-hmm. of a college class. Like Xavier is still the professor, Emma is still the professor, but they are teaching the classes. I don't feel like that. I feel like Emma and Xavier are like the headmaster, headmistress, and they, these peeps are the actual teachers. That's cool. Because cause like Emma just popped into a class, you know, and Xavier like. He ain't even around. He's like the chairman of the board. I mean, he has been. Moving on. Yeah. To the judgment. To the judgment. judgment All the day thumbs. Number six. Pointing down, which we understand why in the end of the issue, or the characters share Alicia's sentiment and uh, <sighs> and they're just over this and they don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. But they must, so let's give it a page turn noise. You really didn't like this at all? Justin. I just, I can hear it in your voice. What is my biggest, okay. No, I know. That's one of the reasons why I had a problem. That's why I said conflicting, right? It's And let's just get it out right now. I think that this was a solid ending for what the event has been so far. And it doesn't take away from how I enjoyed going through the event as a whole. I still think as a Marvel-wide event, this is one of the better events that I've read in recent years. But the problem I have is with the reset button which isn't a full reset, which I went back and forth. Blanchina just actually, I, that's why I was checking my phone during recording because he had responded back. Like it's not a full reset because there are memories still intact of the experience. There is change. There are ramifications. And that's part of the things that I feel like save it and give it narrative value. But it's a lot that just kind of, Nothing else makes an event feel unnecessary than starting back from start, even if the start is with a new perspective and things change. There's reverberating impacts, the fact that people all remember it, the fact that we now have forward momentum with mutants in their global efforts, and even the way that public opinion for the Eternals has changed. Like To to count the Eternals as allies to the mutants is a huge win, Mm -hmm. but I understand exactly where you're coming from. It's the Flash 
at the end of the season where he run, run, Barry, run as fast as you've ever run. And And then reset time. (laughs) Reset the entire season. So it was like we weren't watching. None of this happened. Yeah, I, I agree. It wasn't that it was like, oh, none of this happened. It was very much that the progenitor put back what the progenitor broke. Right. Right, but like all the other things, all the things Uranus did, all this other stuff, all this other fallout, the things that people said to each other, all of that is still intact. For me, it was not only the reset, but the the way that things that were said to the progenitor that have been said to him throughout constantly, <laughs> yeah. like... Ajax saying you're not a good god and Gene saying like people calling him a hypocrite and them saying like do you really want to do this and then all of a sudden just because Ajax said that and then Gene touched his face he instantly changed like his tone he was literally saying the page before you you stupid fools you think you can change and you can't and then was like no okay I guess I was wrong I was wrong I feel like he didn't go through enough of a journey to actually ch- it happened really quickly and it was a reset and for me that's just I understand the journey that the characters went on I understand that you know we there's great things that happened with the development of of how resurrection uh, is viewed by the public and how I really like the the way that it was handled and we I can get into the details of that later yeah and all of that but I just think that I personally despise reset as a story ending because it feels like a cop-out and that's just my own personal feeling it's just a thing that I hate in a story when we just wipe 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 it away so for an, for an event that I felt was very redundant, for the end of it to be the thing that I hate the most in storytelling. It's why you hate time travel. Yeah. Written so, by Karen Gillan, yes. art by Valerio Schiti with Ivan Fiorelli, colors by Marte Gracia, letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles? Cover by Mark Brooks. Mark Brooks. I don't know why Mark's name got sung, but there you have it. We got a lineup page, all of our key players. <laughs> Can all we, of our factions. All the peeps. Can we just talk about this opening page and how Jada, like, I'm here for this Jada Captain America friendship. Yeah. But she's not phased at all. Like, nobody's phased by the fact that Cap was resurrected. Nobody nobody on nobody, the human side has said anything about no it. No one says a single thing. And they all know. Because right. they were all connected into that experience. And I feel like that was part of it. You know, and I think... The fact that we address that by the end in what it means for resurrection going forward, I think is great and probably mm-hmm. my favorite part of the issue or one of. But it's it's odd that no one like Jada's just like, Oh, you back. Oh, huh? What are you doing here? I also like that everyone else has run away and Jada's just still sitting there watching the beautiful disaster. Yeah, it's just the beautiful destruction. Art team killing it left and right. I mean mm-hmm. Valerio and Marta are an art event team mm-hmm. combo. Yes. As the plan is in full effect, pulling in all the remaining humans to the Eternal Cities. Just the, the, I mean, I don't know if it was because I was expecting something like this to happen because of how many people have already died. Mm-hmm. 
and how are you going to have the Marvel universe with like 1 billion people on earth and the real world having like seven or 8 billion. Right. But we check in with our human friends, our humans. We've been following their stories. Stupid Tom. Stupid Tom. Brave Katrina. I'm happy about Katrina. Comforted Kamali. I actually really like that. Yes. Nervous Daniela. Just like, oh, are they going to take my bike? Mm -hmm. What's happening to my bike? You got compassionate Jada to be in this difficult situation, but to see Kenta and to have our characters cross, that was really cool. That was nice. (laughs) He wishes it was over. Oh, I'm trying, little Kenta. Right, exactly. Not, like, not that way. The progenitor, you're a bad dude. What made you change your mind? I will say I really liked the pacing of this issue, and I really did enjoy this issue overall. Like I thought the way that it picked up speed and the progenitor was like, no, and and we were living in seconds. Yeah. I liked that a lot. This feels impacted by the three one-shots in terms of pacing, whereas the four or five issues before were very high level, very fast, very, you know, plot points. Mm-hmm. And then everything else was digging deeper into the specifics. This felt more like a blend of those two. Mm-hmm. As we get some specifics on what's happening with the Celestial as the AI colleagues, Orcus, are preventing him from destroying the machine slash Earth. But, he's like, I'm going to go straight to the root yeah, then. He's coming in for that smash and grab. And, you know... I think this conversation between Eros and Nightcrawler is is really interesting where Nightcrawler's like, this is it, babes. This is, the world is not going to love us no matter what. Like, I've been here before. I just died like 12 times (laughs) trying to get to talk to my biggest enemies. The progenitor rips through the earth going for the reality loom. Time to fight for it one last time. Yeah. All the marbles. All right. This one's for all the marbles. We've got our inside team rushing in. All out action and destruction as they're fighting these antibodies. Sinister just snide remarks <laughs> off to the side. Come on. Sinister's so upset this whole time. He just wants to be judged. Why doesn't he judge me? Because <laughs> you're insignificant, Sinister. But also, like he doesn't have a read on you because you have all sorts of... I wonder if he was judged in a past life. Or it was uh, Stasis judged instead. Ooh, because he's the real one. Ooh. That makes you're sense. You're not the real Sinister. The Eternals have been freed from mutant control and seemingly from the principles. Mm. I believe. I don't because know. Because they've I mean, reached like, this peak inside here. Well, yeah. I don't know if it's just because of the impacts of the Celestial, but... Here's three things I wrote down of the next couple of pages. I wrote them down as bullet points, one, two, and three, okay? Number one, why does the like soul of the progenitor look like some creepy stretched out Nimrod? That's interesting. It's all I could think, like the white with the pink at the center of it. Like, I don't know. I mean, AI technology, engineering, it, it, it is weird too. And just the fact that like... The progenitor is like a giant Power Ranger Zord, and he's got a Power Ranger inside of him that looks similar to him. Right. Two, I am here for Gene's psychic Wolverine claws. It's very interesting. I love it. It's, you know, why does Gene's focus totality look like Wolverine? Sorry, Scott. Sorry. (laughs) And also, though, she does say, like, at one point in this she says Betsy has the right idea, but shouldn't that be 
Quanon has the right idea? Well, I mean, Betsy is the one that was summoning the focus totality in Quanon's body. Got it. Got it. So the psychic knife is... And it's weird to try and split that legacy mm-hmm. when you had... Because now they both, they both use do it. it. Yeah. Okay. And then freaking Ajak. Right. What the heck? Right. What the Be- heck? Betrayal. Stepping in, making things more complicated as Gene is going to take down this celestial mini-me <laughs> from behind with these Wolverine claws. And Ajak says, no. What the... Oh, I just... I love the action shots. It's, yeah. The, the art in this book is freaking phenomenal. It really is. As we unleash the armories of Uranus, distributing weapons amongst the people. And I think this is this like back and forth between the two groups is what's really getting like it's keeping the story driving. Right. 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 Because it just feels like everything's coming to a head. Mm -hmm. All these people just straight throwing themselves at the progenitor weapons everywhere. Just people trying for what is potentially the end of the world. So I have a question because oftentimes I get distracted or confused when reading a comic that's like very layered like this and sometimes I miss things so Kurt says there's an unusual mutant circuit we've been saving it if we can if we can time it right do we ever actually see yeah we do on the next page all right on the next page as scene and exodus powered up in those bottom two panels by a bunch of mutants holding hands you see sync you see proteus you see hope you okay see, like this is the, I was con- the might of krakoa basically channeling their energies to in the same way that the council was powering up exodus and now doing that for exodus and then funneling that through scene okay that's what i was why i was confused because i was like it's very quick I was like, and like scene not isn't a deviant and we're like there's parallels to the deviants in the mutants so then i was thinking like is seen part of the circuit but like would that then not make it a mutant circuit and i think i was just overthinking it and i was like is this it nope that's it got it every second counts i love i love it i love that scene is like part of the crew now and has changed well and the fact that she's half resurrected right? right she's not complete she came out of the oven uncooked. And she definitely sent in text messages at the end of this issue. <laughs> you have seconds. How will they spend them? Gene wants to just pull the plug. Kill yeah. them all? Uh, you know, why not? Just let's go. Let's continue our mission. Attack the node. It'll explode. It's fine because we're mutants and we'll resurrect. And, you know, there's people dead. So why not? As Tony is the voice of reason, be like, ah, oh, hey, all those people died let's just convince it that its judgment is flawed this is all a test yes i agree that this this is the part that's a little baloney in my mind is that like hey after all these attacks after all these conversations after all these appeals we're just gonna sit down and reason with this god that's going to convince themselves they're no longer a god because they're flawed and they shouldn't have judged people in a day right right but like even they're saying like that it, even if you're saying it is a test, they're still saying you fail. You fail, you fail, you fail. But the test is still going. They're, they're failing as individuals, but not as a human race, not as a society yet. And that's why the fact that they're still able to be here and make change. The test. But literally the next page, <laughs> he punches Gene in the face and he says, of course it is a test. 
which you failed. You as an individual. I was questioning myself, but I have learned that you do deserve to die. You remain creatures guided solely by self-interest. You mutants would kill me as you have less stakes. Some of your numbers would cheer as loudly as the humans cheered your deaths. Right. He says that, and then Cersei's like, you know what? Let me let me do this thing. And then he's like, you're still dumb. I still kill you. And then he still changes well, it's, his it's mind. The, it's the immediacy, right? And that's where we end with the Ajax Celestia, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. This That the judgment cannot be done in a single, yes, you all deserve to die because as the way that you act now, you're not redeemable. But if you hold that in your hearts as true every day, that today could be judgment day, then hopefully you would move the meter along more and more as you continue. That's the the moral of the story. That's the, the piece that we're left with at the end. Yes. But yeah, hey, Cersei comes out. Well, let's not gloss over the fact that Orcus is here and yeah. she is so pissed. Yeah. But Cersei comes out and she drops the bomb on everyone. Hey, uh, we've been killing you for millions of years, and that's how we get resurrected. Just so you guys know, and, sorry. And everyone is upset. And even even Captain America is like, wait, what? Is this true? <laughs> even Kurt is like, what? no, no, what? It, it's not their fault, well, too. okay, but you have to understand why. Captain America being like, wait, what is how Tony was at the beginning of all of this? Was like, yo, you didn't tell us? Right. But Kurt, be, like the mutants, like y'all came at us for resurrection. For resurrection right. Right. And you've been doing it the whole time. And well, not only have you been resurrecting, but you've been killing people to do it. Right. So to follow Druig and not to stand up. But, but this team of... Eternals did stand up to what Druid right. was doing. Right. Cersei and the reason why she failed was because she resisted revealing this. And right. that was Right. But it seems that all of the humans want her to die because she's the one that revealed even though it's all the Eternals. Right. But she's the one who told us. You're the so one that came it's clean. It's your fault, so you shall all die. Cyclops was right, Cersei was wrong. <laughs> Just merely shows another way you all deserve to die. Perhaps we do, but do you deserve to kill us? And I guess it's like that's the turning point. Right. Is flipping the judgment onto the progenitor and in some way the progenitor trying to judge themselves and realizing that they too are not worthy. Right. And that's but like it's not like they've been saying that. It's just like those are just the keywords that Ajax needed to say. It's the Hail Mary. It's the three seconds on the clock. It's the sports analogy number three. It's yeah. the yeah. You know, I killed a planet and you failed me for it. You said I could never come back from that. Whoever I was then, I was out of control. That wasn't actually Gene, right? right? And you are doing this intentionally with a cold heart. You're you're doing it with almost active vengeance on these people because of how they've lived their life thus far. How does that make you better than what I've done? Because I've been trying to atone for that. What's in my name, right? And I feel like that, coupled with Ajax coming at her. Right. When you really break it down to just this page, these two pages, and this sentiment, this idea of, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, that's essentially what this is. Like, you shouldn't be judging other people when you really need to look inside yourself, right? That's the moral of the story. What was so funny that you giggled about over there? (laughs) Or poop in the daytime. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a stand-up joke. (laughs) 
Yeah. People in glass houses. But it's really like that's really what this is coming down to is this one – this idea that there's people, things, entities that believe that they have the power to judge other people and don't have to be held accountable for their own actions and that's actually not how we should live our lives, right? When you think about it like that and you break it down, it is an interesting concept and and, and a great point to make. And even this end, like the, the final blow from Tony, yeah, all these people are dead, but you have the power to undo what you've done. You are now accessing the reality loom, which I believe is what's used to mm-hmm. really reset and undo this, this driving through with the progenitor body. And that's what we do as heroes. We could die. We could be destroyed by doing it, but that's what gets them up every day to live for a better tomorrow. Right. And it's almost as though through this sacrifice, through this appealing to the progenitor, that he passes his own judgment. Right. Which, like I can when you break it down, it's a beautiful thing, but I still don't like a reason. All right. That's fine. Let it go. <laughs> I can't. I never will. I am who I am. Thumbs down from Ajax as the ask is for her to be better as I don't know what's happening here. He's transmitting <laughs> his godness into her right. and becoming a nothing so that she like his god power is right. now her god power. Oh, yeah. And he's just a frozen husk again. Yeah. Signals from all over the world. We're back. Uranus's damage, sure. The Eternals' war, war scars, sure. But billions are breathing again. I'm like really interested now because I just looked at this bottom panel. I'm really interested if the reason that Sinister didn't get judged is because he's not the real Sinister. Yeah, that would be interesting. I just, I hate that. I, I get it because that was not done by the progenitor, but so Magneto's still dead. Yeah. So all the Iraqi are dead and Arako is still in chaos essentially Mm -hmm. Ajax looks cool but honestly as much as I hate that Magneto is still dead I actually kind of love it because it's that's what makes it not a full like just wipe 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 this didn't happen and that's like the saving grace for me that's what makes it not a full reset is because even though things get put back to a different spot it's like it's like they were live resurrected. It's right. like the whole world was live resurrected. Right. Which was the idea introduced in the last of these issues. The world was resurrected and like the unnecessary property damage was reversed. But the... I assume Krakoa is fine. Right. Because that was unnecessary property damage. Right. But like the overall impact emotionally, the trauma, the the... Some of the deaths that may have happened in the war between the mutants and the Eternals, like all of that is is still real. Right. Right. All those eggs that need to be remade and mm-hmm. just all those people that were killed. You know, all the people that Craven killed, Maggot's dead. Yeah. Craven. Yeah. Icarus is dead. Yep. And 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 I wonder, so you said the Eternals run is over, right? Yep. So, I mean, this is definitely setting up another something right whether it's another mini or you know whatever kieran wants to do with the eternals Mm -hmm. from this point he can because there's a lot of interest on this other side this eternal alliance that is formed this treaty between the two the use of uranus's power for an hour 
that is now in Storm's, Storm's hands. hands. Yeah, that's intense. I like, like that they just give her Uranus in this little globe and they're like, you get an hour of Uranus to but, do whatever you want. With. And also the point, like, now you understand we can't kill him because he'll come back and he'll kill a human to right. come back. And we can't be, we can't let anybody else hold him because we're the only people that can control him. Mm-hmm. But Druig's punishment. Oh, boy. <laughs> Druig. What, what a threat. Let's see what Uranus can do with the next thousand years or so. I also like this conversation between Storm and Zuras, who is yep. the new the new prime eternal, where the she's old, like the you're, new old prime eternal. He's like, You're you're technically kind of a deviant, but like you're not a deviant, so right now like we're cool because you're not excess deviation, you're just a human and she's like mutant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not really excess deviant, so we're good. As long as we're not mindless zombies killing you, no problem. No problem. But and now the Eternals have to feel feared and hated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have fun. I mean, that's one of the. Now we're getting to the lasting impacts, and we'll mm-hmm. see how long they last. But right. the fact that the status quo for the Eternals has shifted, they are now feared and hated. They mm-hmm. are now as they should be, as the whole world understands this. And I feel like that is a reason why something's going to happen with the Eternals. They're not right. just going to be shelved. Right. And the Phoenix Foundation. Okay. I love the Phoenix Foundation. Yeah. But like, how does Jean have the authority to just decide that they're going to resurrect these people with like 5% of the capacity of the five? Like, she doesn't have to get approval from the council. No, or she, like, she just did it. She's just, I'm Jean. I'm doing it. This is how I'm solving the problem. Yep. Deal. Yeah. Uh, they're separate from Krakoa, independent from Krakoa. So... They'll be doing the decision making on who's getting backed up. Maybe she's doing the backing up and she's just working with the five on her own. Right. Well, that's what she's saying is like, I'm going to be the one. I'll scan you. Basically, like if you're on your deathbed, like I'll come and I'll scan you. If you're a sick child. Right. And but the the person they they saw didn't she she goes to looked more young adult. adult. But like those are definitely his parents in the background. Yeah. She is clearly resurrecting from an egg. So so it is using and and he does they do say like I think it's like five percent of the yep. fives work. I hope it's enough. And so there is some like it's like conflicting a little because it's like use of Krakoan resources and I know the five are like the five we're the five, we do what the five do. We're not under anybody else's thumb essentially, but Well, especially with hope being their leader yeah and her being on the council and this averting you know shaw clearly backs it maybe there's an off-panel vote that we don't see right that leads to this right i I, thinking about it shaw voted yes emma voted yes yes hope voted yes storm voted yes kate voted yes kurt voted yes kurt voted yes sinister voted no yeah exodus voted no um exodus probably yeah you're probably right mystique voted no Destiny probably voted yes or abstained. And Xavier, Xavier voted no. Yeah, probably voted no. I don't know. I could see him voting yes just because this ties into peaceable yeah, coexistence, his right? Overall and and this, dream. this feels like the biggest step forward from, you know, a lot of people have said Krakoa was a very polarizing mm-hmm. event for mutants to say, all right, we're going to then, peaceful existence is off the table. Mm-hmm. we're going to our own place. You don't come here. 
we're just going to do our things and maybe we'll save your lives every now and then when you're not killing us all the time. Right. But then to do this as a step in between or maybe not in the middle, but it's like a 5% step forward into where they were. Right. And the parallel to like what other nations do to offer, like they're there, the, Krakoa is a nation and right. they're offering aid to other nations around the world. It isn't the like, let's resurrect everybody, but it is something and it is more than what anybody can do. What right. anyone else can do. Right. So. It's, it's sharing their resources as this developed nation. Right. But it doesn't it doesn't make it all good because we still got kids walking around in Orcas t shirts carrying Nimrod balloons. But like what is this a celebration of? The fact that they stepped up at the last minute instead of watching from space? Right. Like who right. who's making Orcus merch? You know Orcus. For sure. Absolutely. But like why is this kid excited about Nimrod? Because Nimrod, you saw him save things that yeah, la- that's at it. the end. He was like, Well, look at that cool robot that saved me. There for the preservation of humans. Orcus is like, yo, we were helping the whole time. No. Lies. We wrap up with the Avengers, the I base mean, of operations. I do think they should move out of this. I think show. so too. It feels odd to keep the base here, but whatever. It's basically the the Avengers don't change right. from this event. And I don't think they should because they were kind of in add on after the fact. Right. Tony and Steve ribbing each other, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Steve's new friend in Jada. I like this friendship. Oh, yeah. It's not a good world, but you never know. You keep on trying. That's his whole bit. That's been his whole bit since the start. Right. And then the progenitor. Remember, you didn't pass, but neither did I. Yeah. So. It's too short of a window for judgment. It's ongoing and revises. Remembering that your mistakes are cumulative and that you should act with that in mind as you move forward, trying to be better. The end, sort of. The end, sort of, as we have an Omega- on the other side and some reverberations left at the bottom of that page as avengers assemble alpha number one immortal x-men number nine and x-men red number nine well that's where we're gonna get that playtime hour i think oh maybe i i read the preview pages for the next x-men red oh, and god i could never make a prediction because you always read the preview pages you're like yeah. oh good right. idea but no <laughs> but so like did the conversation change your mind in any way listen listen i no you listen no you listen yes a little because it made me take a moment to really think about the messaging behind it and not be so salty about a reset but overall i still i feel just i feel the event was an experience. I'm glad that I experienced it. It was nice to get a window into the Marvel Universe as a whole. I think that's good for me every once in a while. But I still feel lukewarm about Judgment Day as a thing. I mean, that's understandable because you came into the last half kind of on the outs of it. Right. right? You were out on yes. it. and And I will tell you what I've been saying several times. Part of that is likely because we read every single issue. And and it also was set up to make us read a lot more than I would normally of an event because of how heavily the X line tied into mm-hmm. it, right? Every X book for a period of time was a Judgment Day tie-in. Right. And then even the ones that said Judgment Day but weren't really Judgment Day but were kind of Judgment Day because right. it's happening in the background, like X-Men and X-Force, like they, they still it was that. looming around, yes. right? And I mean, it's... A Marvel event, so it, it's not going to change the full universe. Right. They, for, they will never. Right, right. They're not going to kill off 7 billion people. They're not going to kill off 
all of their heroes, Thor and the Phoenix, Echo is not going to die, right? They can't do that. They're properties, right? I, I still, you know, even just talking about it further, I feel like I swayed my opinion a little bit more. And because my first read was like, ah, oh, man, this was this was kind of like, I, I like pieces of it, but I also was feeling the the reset. And, and it's just, it's kind of like, what did you expect, though? That That's right. really the, the big like what question. else were they going to do? There had to be a reset of some sort to get all those people back. And you think of it as like the way you phrased it is kind of like a mass resurrection versus a reset. Right. You know, a, a we mass, didn't go back in time. We didn't reset time. A mass Every, live resurrection. Right. Right. Everybody still has their memories. It's basically what happened to Kurt just Over, for yeah. everyone. And, and even with that, I'm like, OK, I like that better. Right. Me too. Questions. OK. Questions. R309 Ender Knight said it was surprising, but a bit expected. Interested where things go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was I was surprised. I was not expecting the partial reset or, you know, like the, the soft reboot mm-hmm. to the start of the event. But, you know, I'm excited to see how this is going to influence the status quo of the Eternals and the X-Men. Because I feel like they're the ones that are most impacted at the end of this event. And people. And Orcus. All right. So there's reverberations that we could see. And especially with Kieran still very much so in a power position, mm-hmm. we'll likely see. But he's all full steam ahead on Sins of Sinister now, I assume. Yes. Which so are we. So are we. Warline says Jean is a super badass doing everything she can to make up for the Phoenix's action. But can we get other things when it comes to her development? A mention of her dead family, her mutant niece and nephew, her sister, who is maybe a part of the phalanx. I like her development personally and how it's connected to Krakoa's place in the world in a big way. But like like her regret leaving the council, I feel like that makes sense because mm-hmm. it's her getting a spotlight of development, but also ties to the bigger story. Like her stepping up in a very public way with the X-Men and now what she's doing with the Phoenix Corporation. So I don't know. Like I think some of that would be really interesting if there was like a Gene solo book or if there was like if Gene got an issue of Immortal X-Men to explore some stuff, right? Yeah, I think for me, like hearing that and just sort of starting to appreciate Gene as a character more, I think what I need is for Gene... And the Phoenix to get a similar treatment to Wanda and no more mutants. And we need to move past it. Like she's always being blamed for it. It's always being brought back up. And like it was said that it's not actually her. Right. So like can we move on from it? Can (laughs) can she just be like able to let that part of her past go? No. You know, it's just it's interesting you think about like all these other characters who have done terrible things and how easily it is for us to just let them go and move on to the next thing that they do. Yeah, I just also I I mean, I feel like it's the complicated nature of how prominent the Dark Phoenix saga is in the X-Men mythos. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's like hailed as the best story in X-Men history, whether or not you agree with it. I feel like it is one of the most influential stories of its time and even throughout time just because it has been touched upon over the decades of X-Men continuity. Like it's it's been gone back to. She has become connected to the Phoenix again and again. So I just I feel like and especially with how it's teased that the Phoenix is going to play some kind of connection to the end game and and to uh the the 
future that Omega Sentinel comes from. Mm -hmm. I don't see there being a complete separation, but I would like to see them rest that game to put it in improv terms to Mm -hmm. like, all right, yeah, we've we've been playing that beat for a little while. Let's rest that and play with something else. Mm Or even just have her take what she's learned from this and see that impact her on a more personal scale. Yeah, I think maybe just a shift in the mindset of Jean and connection to the Phoenix. Yeah. You know, stop making her the villain yeah. and start making her or the victim and start making her empowered around it. So we have like three comments now that are kind of where I was at the beginning of this issue, where I still kind of am in a way, but. It's interesting to now like feel somewhat different, but mm-hmm. still kind of the same. Like Warline's conflicted on AXE's ending. Seems a bit anticlimactic, but it's one of the few events that really matter and has ramifications on the Marvel Universe. And I, that I feel like is mm-hmm. what I've been feeling of, okay, it is hard to swallow because it reset a bunch of stuff that happened throughout this, but at the same time didn't. It just reset the death. Right. right, and it's going to have but ramifications. Not all the death. Right, all the death caused by the progenitor, but it's going to have ramifications just how these people are seen. Mm-hmm. Vaderino said it was a bit anticlimactic as well. The solution the whole time was just to guilt trip the progenitor, and what are the ramifications of this huge event? Okay, everyone was brought back to life. Cool. Magneto and Cersei died. Gene has a clever Make-A-Wish spinoff. Neat. Orcus has merch. But nothing major seems to have happened after this event. Very sideways thumb for its end for me. And honestly, I I felt all the same. Mm -hmm. And I still kind of feel that way. It's just the the things that we have going forward feel like, okay, they are different. Yeah, I think it's taking... Krakoa to the next step of being more integrated into society as a whole versus it being its own tiny little bubble. Right. And I think that's important for how the future of mutantdom plays into the future of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Ruby O'Connor said it was a letdown in the end, a reminder not to buy the tie-in issues to the major events <laughs> and we'll see what we'll actually still be dealing with in three months' time. I understand why they reset things. I still feel like it was a bit of a, uh, come on, yep. step back. Mm-hmm. M. Veal said that the name for Gene's program made him emotional, especially after she was just judged for it. Some of the ending felt like wheels spinning, and some of it felt like they were moving players into spots on the board they hadn't occupied before. It was very inspirational, except for the Iron Man parts. I don't know why, but I don't like Iron Man as a character, and I haven't for a while. Alicia just got so excited. <laughs> It doesn't need an explanation. No. No, I, I think I, it's cool the the name of it too because what the Phoenix is so regularly connected to is this idea of death and destruction. And so it's it is kind of what I was saying, I guess, in like rebirth, rebranding right. it into this idea of of creating life instead of taking life. Right. Right. Well, the Phoenix is all about rebirth and and rising from the ashes mm-hmm. of the, the terrible things that have happened before. Curls enjoyed Judgment Day, but wishes that there was more repercussion for X and A of the AXE. And I agree that the Avengers basically returned to their status quo. And if if they weren't here, you would not have noticed. You know, yeah, like, and except, Curls, we lost Magneto. Yeah, right. I mean, that's, that's the big repercussion for, I mean, I have all caps. X-Men's repercussions were largely undone, all caps, except for Arako. <laughs> And they actually seem to have improved their standing in the public eye, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. 
Yeah, well, it's like repercussions in a positive light. Yeah. Right? Right. It's a win for the X-Men in a way, which doesn't usually happen in the eyes of the humans. Right. You know, even everybody keeps on saying like, oh, the X-Men have been at the top for a while. They've been winning for too long. It's like, have they? Have they been? Pete Woods 86 is wondering what we think Storm will use Uranus for. I don't know because I can't see Storm maybe maybe to rebuild. Gotta be Orcus. You think Orcus? Gotta be. I just can't see Storm wanting to inflict that kind of death and destruction. On robots? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, that that feels like a cop-out. on Abigail Brand. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like that's a waste, right? Cable could take down Abigail Brand. Right. I'm like, can you shift Uranus's powers, Uranus's powers to be used for good and be like, rebuild my home? Sure. Yeah. Like you have to. You have one hour. Rebuild it. Put it back. Get those armies to work. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. He was also wondering, how do we think the public's positive acceptance of Orcus will impact the X-Men? I just feel like that's the, the big X-Men event that's Right. Long in the distance, and right? And it's like, it's so interesting because uh, they don't really know who Orcus is. Sure. Just a bunch of robots. <laughs> Especially if you want to know who Orcus really is. Like, yeah, it's human geneticists that are up on their own. Puppeted by a bunch of robots. That are puppeted by a bunch of robots and have no idea. Like, yeah. You need to talk to Nimrod, Moira, and Omega Sentinel. Yeah. And now Modok and, and likely Ultron at some point. Right, and- Ultron will join in. Mike Loves Mariah Carey says, we need to see Jean use that psi knife on the children of the vault. Oh, my God. She <laughs> needs to use that those claws all the time. That's what, uh, so it's funny. I'm in a Betsy Braddock Facebook group, mm-hmm. which is random for me because I'm not like a huge Betsy Braddock fan, but I just I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups. Right. Yeah. All of them. All the house of Facebook yeah, groups. Yeah, yeah. And no, this uh, this isn't a house of this oh. is a, a separate one. Cool. And they all thought that this was absolutely blasphemous. <laughs> but they also just hate the fact that Betsy is Captain Britain and Psylocke is kind of off to the side now after Hellions. Mm-hmm. So now while Judgment Day is technically over, we do still have one more issue. Judgment Day Omega. We'll see what that does to clarify our next steps as we come out of this event and tie a little bow on top. It does have Eternals on the cover, so I'd assume that that's going to be the shift out for what their story could be going forward. Mm-hmm. We might get the tease announcement next. Uh, it's two weeks from Wednesday, but uh, as to what is next for them. Two weeks and then it's over. Yeah, or a week and a half by now. Right. Are you ready for Exterminators? The book of the week, the book of the week. The book of the week. I'm so ready. Exterminators. I love this book so much. Literally the first thing on my notes I wrote, I love this cover, and then right underneath it, I wrote, I love this book. It's terrifying. I love it, but it's terrifying. I love it. The murder versions of themselves. It's great. I'm here for it. Let's. I can't wait any longer. Go. Let's get in. Page turn noise. Data page, kind of. Beware the pervert vampire. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. This was so fun. This, yes, so fun. The terrifying intro text and then just how happy she is. She's like, oh, hey, what are you guys doing here? Do you want to see this murder machine? Oh, no. Oh, hey, friends. What's up, you guys? And then my favorite title page, nothing good ever happened after 2 a.m. We get to the summary. Why are you reading this? Didn't you see the great intro caption on the first page? Get out of here. Yeah. This This book is gleefully stupid. Love it. 
I'm confused as to why Wolverine is not in the boxes mm. because she's very much so a big part of this issue. But yes. written by Leah Williams, art by Carlos Gomez, colorist Brian Valenza, letter and production Travis Lanham. VCs Travis Lanham. That cover was by Federico Vicentini and Matt Miller. Miller. We got a reunion going on. Confusion and questions. A little backstory for how Laura got here. <laughs> little costume dissing. Oh, yeah. I love this. Uniform Sorry they insults. put you in that terrible outfit. This is my uniform. And then to come back. So the preview pages for this, and we're also the, you get like a couple of pages in the morning. Mm-hmm. I, I check on the app and I I basically, when I when I get the covers, I read the first couple pages that they give you. You crazy. To just give myself a little, little bit of, uh, <laughs> just microdosing my comics release. <laughs> but. The Krakoan trial here mm-hmm. was not included in those preview pages. Right. This cutaway. But I do love how ridiculous Boom Boom is. I know. And I think that their costumes, like, so There's story that we is don't know. a witch. Boom Boom is clearly a clown of some sort. Dazzler is a cheerleader. And Jubilee's rocking some Sailor Moon-esque vibes. And Sailor, Sailor? Moon, Sailor Moon. Yeah, she's got a Sailor vibe. And I do, so I have mixed feelings about this page in particular. I mean, there's nothing that I can complain about. This book is amazing. But I don't necessarily love that we're seeing them here, which is clearly like where they're going to be at the end. Yep. And then we get this like cliffhanger, like, will they survive? And it's like, well, clearly, clearly they survive, they survive right? Because right, right, right. right? yeah. they're in Krakoa already. You, you, I mean, it's the end. It's the comic book trope of like they have to survive and even if they don't well they can be resurrected right Right. but but at least if we didn't see them here in these ridiculous outfits we might think they were resurrected but clearly they came from somewhere else right you're not on trial we just have krakoan handcuffs everywhere right could have fooled me give us a reason why you did it well haven't you ever had a bad breakup before scott Mm -hmm. (laughs) well uh damn it oh my god Look at them all. They're all so beautiful. I love them. Yep. Yep. The crowd wants blood as we go back to our main story in this wrestling match. I love how much Boom Boom is not into it at all. And I love how much Jubilee is. She's so excited. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Come on. Dazzler and Wolverine actually getting into a fight over Alex with each other. Mm -hmm. You dated the lead pervy vampire. What's wrong with you? And Jubilee's like, yeah, keep that going. Yeah, that's good energy as she's got Tabby in a headlock that <laughs> I guess is fake, but oh my God. It's great. I'm I'm glad. So Carlos, I believe, is on one of the new titles, this artist. I love it. I love this art. Yeah, I think it's really, really clean and really expressive and just very varied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like suplex me let me suplex you no you psycho like the, <laughs> no, the dialogue psycho. is hilarious the dialogue leah williams clap clap if i could clap and it wouldn't be obnoxious on the podcast i would be applauding for you right now because this book just brings me so much joy yeah when i read it like i just get happy i laugh out loud i feel like welcomed like these people are my friends like i can laugh at their jokes yeah and it's it's also just a nice change of pace in comics. Like, it's a different genre of comic, but it's still with the characters that I love. Right. And that's what makes it so great. Yeah, it's the hyped up action and violence with the hyped up comedy and just, I don't want to say vulgar, but like 
pushing the it's boundary grouchy. a lot. Yeah, 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 right. It's yeah. pushing the boundary a lot further than any other book will. And it still gives you the, it's it. This to me kind of reminds me of the reasons that I loved Marauders when Jerry was writing it. Right. Was that the stories were interesting, but it, but it was just light and fun and like right. enjoyable. It wasn't like heavy and heady and like had to be this big complex thing meditations on death and religion right right it's just like this is which a there's a place for that so, right right but i need one of these yeah, like yeah. i need this is my new marauders right, right. now to lighten the load yeah absolutely right. stop playing with your food son i love how he just like he's got this girl on his lap and then he's just like oh my dad's here get off my lap get yeah. out of here both y'all suck your blood <laughs> <laughs> finish it or dracula is gonna get mad Okay, no problem. Shoom, shoom. House of Mirrors stacks up and Laura loses a limb. Yeah. The crowd goes wild. Dropping that final level of fairy magic everywhere. I go to big lengths to avenge my record collection, Dad. <laughs> this is all about my records. Really? Great data page. If you are ever confused as the differences between Dazzler, Boom Boom, and Jubilee's power. Still feel very similar whilst reading them, though. Oh, really? I mean, no, but yes, but no. Same, but different. Same, but different. I'm curious as to the name that is redacted and why these four would be considered the ringleaders. Like Dracula's army has only messed with Wolverine and Omega Red in the Krakoan era, to my knowledge. Mm. So after the incident with redacted, it was determined these four mutants were the ringleaders. Their mutant abilities are as follows. Maybe the incident is with Alex. Maybe. Yeah. Vampire Nation Death Arena Gate After Incident Report. Let's regroup for that battle. Trying oh to pull themselves gosh. together. I, lo I love the just... There's so many things about this that I love. Yeah. Okay. Wolverine and Dazzler going back and forth where Dazzler's like, we need to wrap your arm. And Wolverine's like, whatever. It'll just grow up, grow back. Yeah, but you do not need to lose all this blood right now. This unnecessary. She's so, she's so angry about it. She's pouting. Yeah, she's like, ugh, I don't want to be fixed. And then... Just don't look at yourself in the mirror. Don't look at yourself in the mirror. Oh, no, all these evil versions. And also, the the moment where Boom Boom is fighting herself, and she's like, hold on, wow, I look good. Like, <laughs> I love it. I just love it so much. Hold on, let me look at me. I look so good. Ugh. And, okay, I will say that the fighting positions of the ladies is slightly a sexualized fight oh this sure this is like the classic what do girls do at a sleepover they pillow fight and they laugh in their sexy pajamas i mean leah talked about it how carlos fell in love with boom boom mm -hmm. and is not hiding it in any way shape or form but also dazzler's butt <laughs> just dazzler fighting herself is like there's like a there's a lot of sexual energy between dazzler and herself sure <laughs> which i'm fi i'm fine with i'm no problems with it i just like to point it out yeah and the fact that they're actually using wrestling moves i yeah. think is just great to further what they had started mm -hmm. are these mirror versions of themselves influenced by that right and you know, the fight The fight is breaking out. The fight is continuing. I'm loving watching the fight. And when Boom Boom decides to blow it all up, I love the way that Jubilee, like that it's written that Jubilee is like, listen, I just dealt with all this magic BS. I know this is magic. It's not just going to be able to be blown up. There's more behind it. Will you please take a second and listen to me? 
That's karma. That's hubris. What? That's what I was doing this whole time in Otherworld while I was in the background in Excalibur. I was just taking in all the magic knowledge so that I could use it in this vampire battle. Well, and and just it's before she's talking about being in all the magic, but just the second reference to what did I tell you about hubris, you dumb tart? Why do you keep on bringing up circumcision at a time like this? (laughs) And I had to Google that because I didn't know that I did not know that bris was a term for Jewish circumcision. Ah. And that's what the the confusion is between them. (laughs) As the other lady, like the fights get savage. Yeah. Wolverine is not playing around. Even Dazzler ripping off her mirror self's head. Yeah, Jubilee smashing herself into the mirror and, and you know, ripping out Boom Boom's pigtails so they can blindfold themselves. I do love how because of the, like, the sound waves of Dazzler's power and Wolverine's heightened senses that the two of them are able to just fight with their eyes closed mm-hmm. while the other two have to, like, physically blindfold themselves. Like, the thought processes between the two of them and the two teams and like how they get where they're going. Yeah. No. And I really love the moment of of Wolverine and Dazzler like holding hands. Right. Because they were just at so each other's throats. Wonderful to me. As the team starts to regroup and we see something else is up in this luxury box viewing overhead. Mm-hmm. As we have some kind of fairy magic creature captured. Yeah, I'm really intrigued as to who this mirror magician is. Like, Likely what's the creator going on? of that final level arena. Yeah, so much about the design of this character I think is interesting, all the way down to the lettering and the the text of how that's even broken up into broken fragments. Mirrors, yeah. Like that's, I'm I'm really intrigued as to who this is. Yeah. As we send in a team of four vampires, the highest bidders who get to fight our four mutant heroes. Will our blindfolded heroines survive vampires with no reflection in a house of mirrors to be continued? Well, they will, but in some way, we don't know. Get ready to rumble. I'm so ready. When does the next one come out? I don't know. (laughs) What'd you think, babe? Babe. Is that a real question? I love it. It's I mean, great. I, I, I want I want exterminators every week. I just I said it. It's my new marauders. Yeah. Watch out. I, I know, like I said something similar and just I feel similarly. This is a ton of fun. It's great action, lots of one liners, beautiful art. The series hits on all cylinders in my mind, and especially in contrast to the rest of the line. If it was if it has to be a mini, how do we get it again with a different team? Right. Or just a different like just I don't wanna like, I don't like, wanna I don't want to beat this trope to death as something repetitive, but it just feels so good. I can't believe I'm actually interested in a vampire story in the age of Krakoa, just how upset I was with the vampire stories in Wolverine. For me, it's the characters and, and the writing and the writing of those characters. And I feel like I want, you know, like after this happens, I feel like these four need to go on like a girl's trip once a year. And I need to get like a Leah Williams exterminators annual one shot where they just like I get like a ridiculous adventure that they go on where they go like they go partying, they go drinking, they go on a girl vacation and something stupid happens. It's like the hangover, but exterminators edition. Yeah. 
Like, just give me that. Can That'd I get cool. that, Marvel? Like, just I just want it in my life. <laughs> yeah. I don't, like, I think that this story itself, this arc needs to come to an end, and I think it could get a little bit, it could lose its uh, charm if it, yeah. if it was Repeated. too overdone. Yeah. But I do think I would love to have it back in some capacity. It's the same idea with the magic that was Hellions, right? I mm-hmm. don't, I didn't want that to repeat, but at the same time, I wanted more of it. Right. Mando Mutato wrote Exterminators, exclamation point. And honestly, it's all that need to be said mm-hmm. because we're here for it. I love it so much. Hot Claws said issue two was even better than issue one. I know. It's I, just, it's like, I mean, I, I think they're equally as good. Yeah, because I just feel like issue one laid such a great foundation mm-hmm. for everything that was then built on and explored further in issue two. A.M. Friedrich is loving Exterminators, but how was Laura's arm cut off? Can fairy magic cut adamantium? And I wonder if that after the fact correction has been remembered, right? Mm. So from X-Men, Proteus accidentally gave Laura metal all over rather than just her claws. And it's especially interesting with Laura assuring that her arm will grow back. Like it'll grow back without the metal in it. Right. And it's just interesting. Like, yeah, if, if we're taking the idea that she hasn't died since that point, it sliced through adamantium bone. Yeah, it's interesting. Warline calling out how Dazzler brought up Emma's breakup with Scott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vaderino says Exterminators was the most fun. He's unsure of the timeline of where it all happens. No Shogo and Jubilee saying she came from a magical world. So that's post Excalibur, maybe pre Knights of X. So is this what Jubilee was doing while Knights of X was happening? Maybe. This is her this is why she was like, I'm gonna go out drinking because my child is in the other world. Right. So my child's a dragon having fun and I'm at home having been ignored for the first twenty issues of a title. Yeah, and also also every once in a while parents are allowed to go out and sure. she didn't know she was gonna get kidnapped. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Mike Loves Mariah Carey is here for Boom Boom, thinking Wolverine's outfit was a costume that the kidnappers put on her was laugh out loud fun. It was awesome. Plus add in Boom Boom and Jubilee's fake fighting. So awesome. Just how into it Jubilee was with fighting and, and with Tabitha was amazing. It Just was loved great. it. She was fully committed. Yeah. Will we see Jubilee finally getting revenge on the vampire that sired her? And... Who is this crystal monster mutant that the vampires have locked up for the Lady Squad? Well, I do think it is an interesting point because I remember when this first the first issue came out, a lot of people were concerned that, oh God, are we going to get Vampire Jubilee again? And they were not really into it. And then when it was brought up in this issue that that guy was the one who turned Jubilee, I'm wondering if the reason that they are so... Krakoa is so angry with them is because they they were like, okay, listen, not only is the ringleader of this nonsense Dazzler's ex-boyfriend, but his father is the one who yeah. turned Jubilee. So, so we you, had a lot you, of revenge to right. get to. Y- y'all just going after these people? I think, yeah, I think they're going to. It's got to come up. Like it's got to be confronted. Like Jubilee has to confront the situation, because otherwise, why would we find out about it? Yeah, Hot Claws is wondering: Is this a Dazzler long shot renaissance? We've got long shot in the X Men Legends. We've got Dazzler kicking butt left and right in Exterminators. They're they're back. We're here for it. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's it. 
That's it. That's all we got. What a week, really. All over the place. Hefty, but yeah, good. Yeah, it was it was hefty. There's there's a week in a couple of weeks that's like super hefty. I feel like, like, like it's just that's just our life now. It's like two episodes. If hefty. there's if there's like less than four comics, it's concerning, honestly. Well, next week there are two. What? And one of those is like a I'm probably gonna pick it up because there's only one other comic. Well tell why don't you tell me what it is? Deadpool number one. Yes, oh I, my god. I, yes. I knew you would be down with that. Uh it's just you know, when they do that, when they introduce a new title on a light week. It's like, okay, and then I feel obligated to get number two. No, we're getting all of Deadpool forever. Deadpool forever. Shakes his head. I don't care. X-Men Red number eight. The book of the week. Okay. It's going to be two issues, but it's going to be a real good time. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Oh, I'm so excited for Deadpool. Yay. What have you done to me? (laughs) Yay. I've won. Oh, man. Oh, yes. Well, okay, then. Thanks for being here with us, y'all. Thanks for hanging out and sending in some thoughts and joining in. and Allowing us to process how we really feel about everything. You know, because it changes. I still like Judgment Day. And I think it's A-okay. Great. <laughs> Until next time, old friend. Charles, I'm dead. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>